Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This podcast is brought to you by Midland Radio USA, your leader in overlanding and off-road communications. Also, join the brigade at truckbrigade.com, the best of the best for off-road and overlanding gear. Rigid Industries Off-Road Lighting. Own the night with Rigid. Radar Tires, an active supporter of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation and manufactured carbon neutral since 2013. Smittybill Off-Road, providing high-quality products built for living the off-road lifestyle. ICS Fabrication, designing industry-leading mounts, drawer systems, and off-road accessories. And Blue Coolers, 10-day ice at half the price. Welcome to the Anderson Overland Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Anderson Overland Podcast today. I am stoked. I have Justin Andrews from Factor 55 with me today. And uh, we're going to have, we actually have already had about a half hour's worth of conversation before we hit record about our previous music in, uh, industry careers and uh, just awesome stuff. So welcome, Justin. Thanks for being on today, buddy. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, man. Super appreciate it. Yeah, I'm stoked, dude. I, I, I'm, I've been looking forward to our conversation for the last couple of months since we met. And uh, and also, today's your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Yep. I'm now I'm into my 40s. Hell yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Still yeah. acting like I'm 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to. My body hurts a little bit more than it used to when I was younger, but actually like after 30 it was like man noticeable like oh my gosh like dude this is uh this is weird yeah you know it's not sleeping on beer soaked floors anymore begging for gas money right <laughs> yeah yeah man so cool that i mean we were just talking about um you know our music careers and things before we got into the industries that we're in and and uh it's funny like going to these off-road expos and things kind of remind me of being out touring and you know the van life like we were talking about and going from city to city and meeting all these awesome people out on the road and um you know how has that how has that been for you going to these different shows is that kind of like that same thing 
Oh, dude, it's ex- it's almost exactly like that, and especially in the early days, you know, because I was the I was the first employee here back in the Dubai, right? Wow. So I've been here from the beginning, and wow. so you know, the especially those early days were exactly like that. I mean, like we would go and stack up with like, especially going to like King of the Hammers for the first time, right? You get the motor home and you're yeah. setting up the ten by ten, and you put your stuff out, and it's like you're. They're doing the selling stuff, like just like you'd be selling T-shirts in the back of the venue, <laughs> the and, merch table. You know, yeah. you're you're stacking up like a fridge with leftover bean burritos from Taco Bell, like waiting totally. to eat. And, you know, what I mean, whatever you can. And so it's pretty funny, like the the similarities like between the two of that tour life. The only the only major difference is instead of like you know being like, hey man, you guys got five bucks for gas, I actually have a company credit card, so it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, the, instead of the $5 a day per diem or $10 a day per diem, you actually have some kind of funding behind you. <laughs> yeah, you're not waiting for like what the venue is going to give you for food. Right. Like, hey man, we got PB&J or we got spaghetti, like great. Right. Yeah, we were at so, Circle so. K last night, dude. I don't want to go again and get burritos. Let's do something yeah, else. Yeah, exactly, dude. Oh, yeah, man. That's one part so of it I don't, I don't miss. <laughs> Well, at least with the Overland segment too. Thank God, man. Like you know, a lot of these Overland shows, like people don't really understand. You know, the quality of the food that people oh cook my at gosh. their booths, right? So it's like yeah. that part's like one of the one of the best kind of culinary fun, you know, fun little facts of like the Overland community. Yeah, it's it's there's there's so much similarity between you know being on being in a band and being on tour, and especially now with trying to run your brand via social media and doing these types of things, as well as. Uh, you know, being in person and you're showing up to the show, right? And you're right. selling your goods and you're doing talks and, and training and classes and all these things. And it's, it, you know, there's so many similarities. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah, it sure is, man. I love it. You know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like we were just talking about, you know, missing those experiences that we had as musicians being out touring and things like that, you know, like uh, for some of you out there that don't know before fire service, you know, I was a musician, Justin was a musician. We both toured and stuff. And then, and then we had to get uh, real jobs <laughs> to support our families. But what's rad about, you know, going to these shows and, and traveling and, and having the, the, you know, being so blessed to be able to do that, number one, humbly be able to get out there and, and uh, do something that most people don't get to do. It is so rad to have those, those type of experiences again and just meet new people. And, you know, especially like, you know, when you kind of come into some of these expos and all these people recognize you that you've met on the road for the last, you know, a couple of years at, at other events, you know, you, it's just the, the, like I always say, the community that it creates, it's just second to none, man. I love it. I love just, I'm like I said, I'm a social butterfly and uh, I love being involved in it and, and just seeing new things, new people, new places. It's, it reminds me a lot of being on the road uh, early on in life and uh, it's awesome. Yeah, the community aspect is one of the key things here, and it's uh, it's uh, you know, that's that's part of the why you know the same reason why I've gotten involved with this company. You know what I mean? Like when even from the very get go, I had uh, I was actually um, teaching scuba, and then uh, was working at a dive shop in uh, L.A. And oh, wow. uh, then when I when I moved home, um, when I moved back to Idaho, I had bought a Jeep. And then I just, you know, I thought I was going to take the doors off and go camping and just, it was going to be like kind of a little adventure thing. And I was still just managing bars and, and bartending and, and still playing shows and doing that kind of thing. And, you know, kind of still just living my life like that, especially coming into my late twenties and early thirties. And it wasn't until I, uh, actually one of the guys that, um, I worked that was, uh, like kind of one of the security guys that, uh, worked at the bar, um, that I was running at the time was like, Oh, Hey man, you got this Jeep. Like, I didn't, you know, I've been friends with this guy. I played music with him and the whole thing. And, and, uh, 
he was like, you got a Jeep? Like I got a Jeep. Like, let's go take this thing out. And like the whole thing. And, and that, yeah. just, that, that right there started me down this path where he was like, man, did you, you ever heard of King of the Hammers before? And then all of a sudden it was like, <laughs> never did I think in my wildest dreams that I'd be going, you know, to the lake bed every year for like the rest of my life. You know what I mean? So it's right. been, uh, been really cool, man, how life can shift and to think that, you know, what motorsports can, you know, what, what it brought into, into my life and then being able to race the Baja 1000 and all the things I've gotten involved in has been yeah. a pretty, pretty crazy experience that I never yeah. thought would ever have, you know, resulted from that. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me too, man. Just so many things or like so many experiences that I never in a million years would think that would, would come into my life. Yeah. Totally relate to that. So cool, man. So tell me like you, I mean, you've been, you said you were the the factor 55's first employee. Tell me what factor 55 is just for our listeners that don't know and what you guys are all about, what you guys do. Yeah. So factor 55 as a company has been around for uh, 10 years and uh, it, uh, it, it basically started, uh, with a handful of ideas from our company founder and president, our lead engineer, uh, Mike Costa. Uh, Mike came up, uh, the very first product actually we ever made was our winch lock security bolt. That was the very first product that, uh, that was ever developed. Uh, but Mike uh, is a mechanical engineer uh, by trade, went to Cal State Fullerton, and then he worked for Ford Aerospace and LAM Research and a bunch of these you know, big like semiconductor companies and military satellites and did, did a ton of stuff. Uh, but he was always an avid Toyota rock crawler. So hmm. Mike was Mike was back in the early '80s, like wheeling the Rubicon with all all the Toyota guys. And, <laughs> no way. You know, you know, yeah. So like one of his uh, one of his oldest friends is Chris Collard, who uh, was the editor of Overland Journal, who is in the Off Road Hall of Fame. You know, wow. I mean, these were like old school Rubicon dudes. And what you know, it's so funny to talk to him about it because now we have limitless access to the you know online for. Uh, you know, how to set your suspension and in shocks and axles and all these things. Yeah. And, you know, like I had these conversations with Mike where he was like rolling around, like, you know, you know, 85, like rolling in a hot rod shops being like, how am I, how am I going to fit 37s on like uh, one, you know, one ton axles underneath of my, you know, Toyota Hilux, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Looking companies up in the phone book and like driving to their businesses to like develop, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, he has one of the very first Marlin crawler boxes that Marlin Jeez. actually signed that's in his truck. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. Right? So just like there was a spearheading long... the industry right there, Dude, like just scratching exactly. the surface yeah, of man. everything that's, that is as we know it now, that's nuts. Yeah. So to think about like, you know I mean? I, I mean, geez, dude, I, you know, I was born in 1980, right? So like to think <laughs> yeah. about that, that's what, you know, some of these things that are so commonplace anymore uh, we're like, yeah, man, you, you buy a Jeep and you, you put it on a three inch lift and put it on 37s or forties. Like that's what yeah. you do. You know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, there were, these guys were having to figure out how to do that even then with, you know, and coming up with this information and to develop these products. So, um, you know, Mike had always had these ideas lingering on to come up with a winch line shackle mount, mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, ultimately was the, you know, the very first winch line shackle mount that was developed was, uh, the pro link, uh, which was our, uh, shackle mount thimble style product, uh-huh. uh, which, you know, was the very first, you know, safety, um, you know, device and application that was kind of made, uh, to be able to do it from his engineering background out of, you know, aircraft aluminum and, you know, the titanium double shear pins and all these materials that got involved into, into developing, you know, the entire suite of products that we offer. And right. that really was like, you know, something that could be used with steel cable or synthetic rope because at the right. time and a closed um, system. Exactly. It's something yeah. that we're like, you know, those, you know, hooks were just never really 
you know, they were never designed for pulling, which what right. you do off road. They were designed for vertical lifting where the load would say centered in the throat of the hook. Right. And so this, this idea of this closed system winching and that kind of thing is kind of where that whole thing developed and where it was born. And so as these products started to develop and we kind of cultivated, um, you know, the idea of closed system winching, you know, that rolled into now factor 55 makes, you know, an entire host of all USA made vehicle recovery products. And then, uh, the brand, uh, you know, through success and growth and, and building, uh, we were acquired by Warren industries, uh, two years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, so Warren, oh, that's awesome. so Warren bought our, yeah. So now we are under the Warren family of brands and Warren bought our company, uh, two years ago. So, yeah, oh. so it was pretty crazy, man. I was actually working the four wheeler adventure expo in orange County, uh, came home from that event, found out my wife was pregnant. And then that Wednesday came into work, found out Warren bought the company. And then Friday we went into COVID lockdown. Oh my <laughs> so God. Wow. It was a, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a heck of a week. Yeah. Chalk up to there. I bet. So man. yeah. Wow. So, How stressful. So, yeah. So now it's, you know, <laughs> so it's developed in this whole thing to where now, you know, we've been able to, you know, kind of really cultivate through uh, product design, through destructive testing um, and using, you know, high quality USA made materials, uh, you know, to really develop, uh, you know, kind of the, the premium of innovation into uh, vehicle recovery products for UTVs and side-by-sides all the way up to military, you know, heavy wreckers. So pretty, yeah, pretty crazy. It, yeah. I was just going to ask you guys, saw you guys have like the, you know, the industrial and military contract stuff um you know and those products available and that's right you guys are stepping into the utv uh, realm i mean that's just huge i mean that, that's taking off right now i i, I was just interviewing uh cbi and prince a couple weeks ago and they're you know they've got a utv uh division of the company now too you know making racks and prince racks for uh you know razors and all sorts of different applications but i mean you guys are the go-to name for you know uh shackles and winch you know recovery stuff man i mean the, I think it's awesome. I love the kits that you guys put out, you know, those, I mean, obviously those things have won awards at shows and things. And, um, you know, that's just a testament to the quality and, and the, you know, the technology behind what you guys do. Um, what are some of the new products and some of the new things that you guys are focusing on right now and, and coming out with here in the near future? Uh, yeah. So the, uh, great question. So some of the stuff we can't talk about only because like provisional patents still need to be filed and that sure. kind of thing. Right. So, sure. Intellectual property is, is uh, super important for us. I um, mean, it's a kind of a big deal because that intellectual property allows us, you know, to protect ourselves from counterfeit products and those types of things. Because even now, it's a daily battle uh, with uh, the legal team, right, to deal with counterfeits and that kind of stuff. Yeah, China and all the other <laughs> going on over oh, there. Dude. And sometimes, and you know, sometimes you get really good success out of it, and other times you just don't, right? But you know, right. You know it's. Uh, you know, depending on the design of the parts, you know, there are a lot of companies that have tried to find workarounds of our patents and do that kind of stuff. But we've been able to really kind of cover our basis. And the fact that, you know, as a small company, you know, that's, a, you know, you, we invested more money in intellectual property than anything else that really kind of kept, you know, growing the brand. Right. right so right. we've, uh, you know, so that, so some of the stuff that we are working on, there's uh, uh, most, you know, kind of on a large scale, uh, we are definitely going to get really hard on to the uh, educational standpoint. Uh -huh. um, more so about not only just the products, but also just the actual practical application and use of oh, those. Cool. Yeah. Um, and really kind of rolling out uh, dedicated, uh, you know, good quality training videos and more materials, just like our recovery manuals that we already offer. Um, and then uh, same thing with just continuing on to develop uh, other ends to, um, 
you know, for uh, rigging connection points. Uh, we are having an entire industrial line of rigging that we are working on. We are releasing XL versions of our uh, LDP, of our low distribution plate, and of our um, RRP, our rope retention pulley. Um, so those are also becoming soon, as well as like some endless loops and some other things. Uh, now that we are doing a lot more in the tow truck space uh, because of Warren, uh, oh, right? Because wow. Warren, wow. so Warren is Warren is segmented. You know, there are seventy. Their seventy fifth anniversary is going to be next year. Wow, so that's crazy. As a seventy, Gosh. right? Yeah. So as a seventy five year old company, right. they are they're segmented in a, in essentially five categories, which is uh, Jeep truck and aftermarket, power sports. Uh, industrial and defense, uh, OEM, and uh, international. So out of those five categories, there's teams of people that work in each one of those segments because the international business is, you know, that, I mean, that's in itself just crazy, the amount of stuff that's global and worldwide. Right. Uh, the OE side, you know, right now you can get a, you know, the Badlands Bronco. You can go buy a, that Bronco and it comes with a, a worn winch on the front. Right, same thing with like the, uh, <laughs> That's awesome yeah, yeah, that so they're doing that. Yeah, same thing with like, yeah, if you buy a, a Ram TRX or like the Ford Tremor, like that comes with a Warren winch that's factory installed into your vehicle. Right. So like those options, um, you know, there's a whole OE side that's doing it where like even the industrial team, like we OEM to Miller Towing and uh, a lot of other like, I mean, crazy segments uh, in the industry. And the same thing with power sports. Um, the power sports segment's almost, geez, man, it's almost bigger than, you know, some of the other facets, right? When you right. think of Warren, it's, you know, Jeep, truck, and SUV, but man, the power sports stuff is just even, you can't even believe how many winches they build a week in Oregon. You know I mean? It's just, it's crazy to think of the scale, right? The whole yeah. scale of it all is just so much larger than you really can even imagine. So it's really cool to be a part of that as a company. Um, and then, you know, kind of being, you know, it kind of married together, right? I mean, they right. make the best winches and we make the best accessories. So just to yeah. kind of just worked hand in hand together. Right. So, so perfect, cool. the perfect marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah so now, now the only, so now the only problem that we're running into is that we used to be like this thing where it was like, well, we would come up with an idea and just make them and put them for sale on our website. Right. And right. so now, now it's a lot more because they, you know, they have a lot more uh, requirements that have to be done for, uh, you know, safety applications and OE, pro, you know, provisions and all these things. So sure. it's a lot longer of a process to, to get the things in development, to get them released and that kind of thing. But, uh, they are fully charged in with supporting us um, and, and continuing on the innovation standpoint that we've done as a company. So there's a lot, there's still a lot more to come that we're working on. Yeah, a that's lot. awesome, man. I, I, I think it's so cool that Ford, I mean, of, of all the companies out there really right now are kind of spearheading that, um, you know, with these prefab trucks that are just, you know, ready to go. I mean, they're already outfit with, you know, outfitted with everything you would need. Um, you know, nobody else is really doing that to that magnitude. And I think that's something that is, you know, a desire. I mean, I know for me, like, I mean, I would love to be able to just buy a vehicle if I'm going to go down to the, you know, a dealer and buy a Toyota, whatever it is, or a Jeep or a, you know, a Ford and have it totally ready to go, you know, stock and then under warranty, um, which is rad, you know, instead of spending 15 grand on extra stuff and parts to put on your rig and then be like, well, if something breaks or, you know, this thing goes to shit i'm screwed you know yeah dude if you wrap it up in your loan you know i mean yeah. a lot of us you know there's still a lot plenty of people are still financing their vehicles right yeah. so like they'd be able to go in there and say yeah man i'll take my brand new wrangler with you know ud60s underneath of it and you know be able to roll it out with wheels and tires and you know it's all wrapped up in one payment i mean that's right. like that's such a it's such a better idea uh than you know when you know before trying to 
you know, get your, you know, buying a, you know, buying an old school Jeep or wood truck or whatever, and then right. trying to figure out how you're going to come up with the 20 grand to put the axles underneath of it, you know, or motor swapping them or doing all these things, you know what I mean? It just becomes, you know, you're trying to eliminate the, the barrier to entry, right? And so if you get that going on, then all of a sudden you can get all this quality kit, you know, all wrapped up into one and uh, have a better situation kind of worked out for you. And I, we've, we've been kind of doing the same thing with, uh, um, like now we, we actually OEM a recovery kit to Rivian, right? To the electric oh, truck. Oh, wow. So, oh, that's sick. So we make, yeah, so we make recovery kits for Rivian. And huh. so it's kind of, it's cool because like there's a company that didn't want to, they, there was no, there was no, like, uh, no skimping on the best. They just right. wanted to have the best possible products that they could have and to be, you know, supporting uh, U.S. manufacturing. And there it is. You know yeah, what I mean? and that's so what definitely it. sets you guys apart too. I mean, from, you know, most out there is all your stuff's made in the USA, right? Like you guys are, mm-hmm. have a proprietary product. I mean, that business model, you know, to be able to work with, you know, Rivian and, you know, Ford and people like that. I mean, I mean, like you said, they're going to get the best product from you guys. It's American made stuff. I mean, that that's what sets you, sets you guys really apart from a lot of the other manufacturers is to be able to stand on that. Right. Yeah. And it's really, yeah, exactly. And it's very cool to be able to, you know, you know, back that up with, you know, uh, empirical data and with evidence, you know, and validation through destructive testing and all the stuff on our YouTube channel and all those things. Yeah. And that's really, you know, puts in a process of what we're doing is, you know, say, Hey man, that's, that's about the safety and reliability of that equipment because you know, it could save your life, save the life of the person that you're trying to assist yeah. when you're doing a recovery in the back country. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, man. I mean, you, I mean, it's not funny, I guess I shouldn't say that. It's crazy to see these videos of these people doing these recoveries and, you know, these YouTube videos and, and seeing the disasters. And then you realize like, holy shit, the stuff that they're using, you know, I mean, they're like the China made crap, you know, the low end stuff. And, you know, I've, I've always been a proponent of, you know, you, you get what you pay for. And, and, um, you know, if you go cheap, you're going to have issues. You're going to have, you know, you're going to put yourself into those dangerous situations, especially with the amount of load and stuff on, you know, these recovery devices and, um, winches and stuff. If you're not playing with, you know, the, the right product, man, you're putting yourself in the crosshairs of getting really, really badly hurt or, or hurting somebody else really badly. And, um, you know, that's, what's awesome about you guys, man. It's like, I know for sure if I've got a factor, factor 55 product on my machine that it's going to perform and it's going to do exactly what I ask it to. Um, and you know, it's going to work every time. And, and, uh, you know, knowing the products that you guys, de- you know, have designed and the, the, the materials that you guys use. And, you know, that also that peace of mind, like I said, that it's made here, it's sourced here. Um, and the warranty that you're going to get with these products, you, you know, you get what you pay for. And that's, you know, just bottom line with, with anything, you know? Yeah. It comes down to, it comes down to, you know, the same thing, right? Buy once, cry once, you know, yeah. like it's about the reliability of what's going in there. And, and also just in, and just the knowledge that, you know, that things are not going to fail when you need them most. Right. right? And, you know, cause I, look, there's plenty of things that you can do and get away with, uh, especially with vehicle recovery with bad equipment, right? right. There's a lot, I mean, you, you can do, you can do a lot with a little, but you have to have that knowledge basis of where you're staying within, you know, your working loads and understanding what that equipment is. Exactly. Versus when you see like a Chinese made toe strap, that's only one ply thick. And it's, you know, what type of material is it? Is it nylon or polyester? You right. know, versus when you look at our stuff and it's like, you know, our minimum standard duty toe strap is two ply thick, right. two inches wide and high dense polyester. So there's minimal to no stretch, clearly marked and labeled with, you know, manufacturing dates and uh, c- individual serial numbers. Right. So there's even lot tra- material lot traceability over top of the raw fibers 
that we're using on our synthetic rigging that we're even doing with the, you know, the aluminum, the USA made Kaiser billet aluminum that we use. Yeah. So that's, those are part of the standards of things that we have to do in order to sell product to, you know what I mean? And provide these, these products to uh, the government and for life safety. Cause they, you know, you can't go into, you can't go on any kind of job site or any type of like rigging kind of platform and not use, you know, untested, unrated equipment. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's like, do you really know like the, the testing, you know, capabilities or the standards, like, you know, overseas, like, you know, you're just doing what there's going with what they're telling you. And you're like hoping that, you know, that it's going to be what they're saying. And it is, you know, like you said, you got these, these products that are, you know, one ply instead of, you know, four or whatever it is. Um, and they're saying, well, it's the same rating. Like, no, that's not how that works actually. I mean, in the fire service, especially man, like with us, I mean, we, we use a lot of uh, products. I won't, I won't plug this company, but we use a lot of products from this company for rope rescue and over the side rescue and things like that. And man, you, I mean, when your life is on the line and somebody else's life, number one is on the line, um, in our line of work, it's like, you got to know, okay, man, this is going to hold us. This has got a three to one, you know, um, ratio on, you know, uh, a rating or a five to one, or that, you know, it's a three to one system, but we know this has been tested to five to one or whatever it is, you know, um, it, it gives you a lot of peace of mind knowing that, you know, I can confidently use this product. I know we're going to be safe using it. I know it's going to do everything I ask it to do. And then some, um, and with these, you know, overseas products, you just don't know. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a risk that, Unfortunately, I see a lot of people taking it, you know, but I think a huge benefit to you guys and especially the customer. And I see this in the fire service realm of things too, and the equipment that we use, which like, like I said, is life safety stuff. Um, and you know, like you said, you guys have those life safety items too. having those instructional videos, man, and, and being able to like teach people and instruct people how to use those products properly is, is like it's priceless. I mean, to be able to go online and reference a, a video right off the bat, especially with these, you know, these devices that we have in our hands on a daily basis, 24 seven, to be able to pull up YouTube on your phone when you're in the middle of a situation and be like, you know, hold on guys, I'll stop, put the brakes on. Let's check this out. Let's refer to this, you know, this training video or this reference material that factor 55 put out on this product and make sure that we've got this set up right. And that we're within the tolerances of this product and we're doing this right and safely. I mean, the, the, the fact that you have that at your fingertips is great. And I think it's an awesome, awesome, uh, um, service that you guys are offering to your customers and doing that, man, that's, that's great. That makes me really happy to know that you guys are uh, taking the time to make sure people are using their product the right way. Yeah, man. It's a, and it's just, you know, it's a constant, you know, push for that, you know, that education, because that's really, I mean, education is our biggest asset. Offer. Right. And that goes, yeah. that goes not only just for recovery, but I mean, it just goes even from, uh, you know, the simple fact of like the tread lightly principles and why organizations like tread lightly even exist. Uh, just because that's, those are the same things of like, that are going to keep public land public, keep yeah. trail systems open and keep people being able to allow to be recreating in the backcountry. Cause like, look, man, my early twenties, I spent a lot of time rock climbing and, and mountaineering and doing these things. And, you know, there are all those groups that always want to, you know, that have stopped motorized vehicle recreation yeah. in, in these areas. And yep. they're just looking for the excuse. They're just looking for the reason to shut down the access uh, to the land. Uh, and so, if, you know, we want to keep our trails open and want to keep enjoying, uh, you know, motorized recreation in, in these areas. Absolutely. Yep. You know, it's all it's all comes down to uh, educating um, the user. 
Yeah, look what's happening in Moab. I mean, with uh, UTVs yeah, and all that, man, they're shutting the whole freaking thing down. I mean, all over the place trying to do that, you know. And, yeah, uh, we work on we work hand in hand with a lot of cool companies like uh, uh, UTV Utah and uh, and a bunch of other you know organizations all over the U.S. You know what I mean that that do trail cleanups and trail repair and are really cool. trying to work through this process to you know empower you know new people that are coming into this that you know yeah man there's there's plenty of things where you see guys tearing stuff up on the internet but most of the time that that's happening those are also in dedicated areas where that's allowed right so it's also transitioning the disclaimer that you know there, there's a place uh in tennessee which we're going to at the end of at the end of this month uh-huh. uh for the smoky mountain jeep invasion and that's the wind rock off-road park and wind yeah. rock is a is a dedicated seventy three thousand acre off-road area wow. and yeah man, you can do thousand dude crap. it is you could be there for a week and not ever hit the same trail right wow. i mean it's it's unbelievable like how how huge the space is and so you know you kind of it's kind of as soon as you get back into these trails man it's kind of a free-for-all because it was a, you know it's like kind of the leftover remnants of like uh mining right oh, really so it just turned huh. yeah so it turned into this park but you have to pay to get in the place and the whole thing but it is incredible wheeling uh it's available right there and so there's a you know it's kind of like you know drive wherever you want type of deal and wow. it's really cool man that that areas like that exist uh for that style of recreation uh and then even out here out west you know we're so fortunate to have so much good access to blm land and do those kind of things but you got to stay on the trail yep. right you can't just yep. be choking the winch line around a tree you know you start seeing like things where you, like, you start damaging vegetation like that uh reports get filed man and yep. people are in the Trails same place hiking down. or mountain biking and they just shut them down right yeah. so again it just always comes down to how are you going to educate people to make you know and look there's always times when emergencies happens things go wrong and you have to do what you have to do in certain sure. situations like one right. of the things when we talk about vehicle recovery we always say at the end of the day what works is what counts yeah so but you just got to understand the risk that you're taking and mitigate those risks in any scenario but you want to make the best judgment call that you can and yeah. not and not cut corners right make yep. sure your straps are flat not twisted make sure that the you know that you're uh putting the soft shackles together in the right kind of way make sure you're attaching hooks and things to rated recovery points you know whatever it might be and it's the same thing with just you know attaching other trees and vegetation and how to keep uh you know from spinning tires on terrain i mean you could i was just talking to tread lightly guys just uh, about a week ago you know and a good example was i mean you can get one jeep in one soft terrain after a rainstorm and they could do 10 years of damage to a trail in yeah. an afternoon yeah because of just spinning tires and doing dumb shit right so yeah. it's it really takes you know that mindset of like you know giving that information to people and you know and really hoping for the best and, and calling people out online about it too right oh Putting yeah people on yeah. blast because you got to yeah. you know what i mean that's the only way that you're going to incite change and it comes yeah. from the club level to the manufacturer level everything so that's uh yeah it's definitely a, a high point of uh, discussion for sure yeah absolutely and it's it's important man i mean it reminds me of this 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 uh i got the story we we're up in um uray hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner luckily armor all america's most trusted auto appearance brand has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply.
I don't know if you've been across the San Juans up there at all, but um, we were up there for the FJ Summit one year and we were like, man, we love this freaking area. Let's look at, you know, maybe buying some property up here. And so we were looking through all the real estate stuff and we found uh, a chunk of property. It was like 50 acres for like $70,000 or something. It was up near Corkscrew Gulch, which is this trail that goes up and over the San Juans from Uray into Silverton area. And uh, it was kind of nestled in this bowl in this huge like um, valley bowl below Corkscrew Gulch. And uh, there was a trail, an old like mining road that went to it, but it was kind of blocked off with rocks, but you could get, you could get around it and it looked like it was a designated area where people had gone in and out of it. And I'm like, well, it shows on the map, this road here. So obviously people are traveling this and it looked like it had been closed at one time, but reopened or something. And so we just pulled around and went down this road to where this, this, you know, property was that they had for sale. And this guy came down the trail and saw us parked over here. And man, he ripped me a freaking new rear, man. I mean, he was like up and down my shit. So, so bad. He was so upset that we were parked back there. I'm like, he's like, you're not supposed to be on this trail. This is closed, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, man, like, you know, we are massive advocates for, you know, making sure that we stay on the trail and we don't abuse those things and we're not damaging the force and stuff. But this is a, a designated road. And man, he jumped my shit so bad. He was so upset with us. And I had to show him on a map, like, look, we talked to a realtor. We talked to these people. This is the road, the access to this thing and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of calmed down, but he's like, you know, look, man, he's like, you know, I didn't mean to jump your shit, but we got, you know, so many people coming in and out here from other, you know, out of state and ruining these trails and going up these trails that are, are not, you know, open any longer. They're not designated trails any longer. And all it takes is, you know, one ranger to come by here and see that. And this ruins it for everyone. And I'm like, I totally get it. Um, you know, my bad if we weren't supposed to be here, but we were, you know, we we're going up this trail that looked like it was designated, that looked like it was open again. Um, and it was on the map as the access to this lot that we're looking at, you know, possibly buying. And he's like, okay, you know, totally get that. But, you know, just uh, make sure you're careful. And I'm like, we will, you know, and we, we respect the area and we respect the trails and, and things. But, you know, I, afterwards I thought about it. I'm like, you know, uh, I was kind of upset. It was kind of like, you know, screw this guy, you know, who the hell is this guy, you know, to, to come jump our shit and stuff and be a, be a jerk. But in the end, I was like, you know, I get it because, you know, we lived in Big Bear Lake, California, which is a resort town east of LA for about almost 20 years. And, you know, I would get pissed off too and see people in places that I knew they shouldn't be and, and trying to access things they shouldn't and they just didn't care. And, and so, you know, he probably was just assuming that thing with us, the same kind of, you know, um, attitude and, um, you know, it happens a lot. And sometimes, you know, it happens not on purpose, like with us, you know, we, we didn't, know that we shouldn't necessarily be there but you know like i said at the same time we were just looking at a map and that was the road there and it, there was a spot where it was open and we're like oh this must be okay to go up here but um but that's what creates those those issues and some of that is is controlled and some of it's not controllable but i, I would say that 90 percent of it is definitely uh something that can be respected and controlled by people and just to, we probably should have gotten more information before we went up there and maybe talk to a ranger or somebody before we try to access it. But, uh, but it's like, how are you to know, you know, we're not from the area. Yeah, I mean, look, look at that exact situation, right? I mean, cause it happens like that here in Idaho constantly. Yeah, and right. they, you yeah. know, the, the majority of our entire state is pretty much the Frank church wilderness. Right. right. So when you hit the back country, there's plenty of our, our, the trail systems that we wheel that cross between public and private land. Mm -hmm. And that, that private land, those guys are gracious enough to 
allow us to cross over in these areas right. to access these trail systems. But if you start screwing around out there, they absolutely have the right to tell you to like you, that you can't be here anymore. Bounce. Let alone like, <laughs> well, dude, let alone rolling up on you with a gun. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, it's you know, you get out in the rural, yep. yeah, dude, you, you get out in the rural the rural mountains and shit around here. Like, dude, this is. I mean, it's like you can be the wild west in the middle of nowhere when there's no cell phone service oh yeah right so with, yep. that's why i think that so many that's why we're always a big proponent too of those things we're like you know with like on x off road or you know gaia or any of these mapping services and things that can tell you where public and private land is and right. know it know before you go right yep. we all hear these catchphrases and all that stuff it totally matters dude everything totally does you see yep. you see something say something right yep. it's all of those things that are just going to make that experience so much better for everybody that's going back there, whether it's on motorcycles or whether it's mountain biking or what, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And yeah. being able to let people know like, Hey man, you, that that's not a place that you should be like, don't go do that. Don't, right. you know, the, the, the local Jeep clubs have done, especially here have done a really great job of, you know, policing uh, themselves. And especially with the amount of people, you know, moving, uh, moving to Idaho and coming to more of these rural places, you know, it really allows where like, you know, you're dealing with the generational, you know, you know, John Dutton's of the world, right. Owning all this land and yeah. doing all this stuff. <laughs> right. Into, into all these other people coming in here and being like, well, I'm going to go out here with my rooster tail, wheel it up. Mud yeah. slanging, right. And you have yeah. to find that you got to find the middle ground to really kind of make a difference uh, for some people. Cause we've lost access, man. We had, we had a trail out here um, just South of our airport. Uh, Boise is kind of an interesting place. Cause we have like one freeway that runs East through West of town. Right. Uh-huh. So, it's uh it's you know it goes into the foothills and the mountains to the north and it's just wide open desert in the south right and we used to have a place that was just 30 minutes just pat behind our airport uh that was called no cojones and it was a um they had a little dirt bike track that was back there a lot of guys would go out there and shoot guns uh and it was really close to town and there was one little section there was a bunch of like lava rock and these cool little valleys and a bunch of just like totally open access drive on whatever kind uh-huh. of little area and it was always a great test platform to like if you were working on your suspension or try, want to flex it out for real or, you know, try out, you know, uh, new gear that you had, it was a really great access point to get out there. A lot of people get stuck when it rains and all these things. Right. Uh, but we would go out there and, and uh, you know, just go like, do a little afternoon wheeling. Um, and then it just got trashed. People burning couches, leaving refrigerators out there, computer <laughs> monitors, like, you know, and just shooting, whatever. Right. And they just came in and shut access down to the whole area. And wow. so really like, uh, here we have a really good trail system out in the Owyhee front. Um, so like all the Owyhees are where a lot, of, a lot of the rock trails are. And then we have a ton of dedicated like forest service roads and those types of things for like, you know, backcountry exploration, like into the woods and that kind of thing north of us. But right. it's really like, you know, I mean, it, it, you have to be, not only do you have to be a good steward of your environment, uh, and your equipment and all those things and the people that you wheel with, but you really got to be a good steward of the land. Yeah. I wish that the real estate company would have, given us a little bit more education and kind of set us up a little bit better and that we would have looked into it a little further. Cause I felt kind of bad afterwards, you know, like initially I was kind of pissed off. And then after, like I said, afterwards, I was like, man, I felt bad that we, you know, we didn't look into this more and, you know, that we pissed off some of the locals. Cause that was definitely not the, uh, not the, uh, outcome that we wanted, but he was cool towards the end. But yeah, like you said, man, you gotta be prepared. You gotta know the area. I mean, we're getting ready to head out here in a couple of days and, you know, for a month on the road and, um, you know, there's a lot of new places that we're going to explore and it's, it's, you know, your responsibility to make sure that you're, 
you know, educated and you're not, you know, going into some crazy place that you shouldn't be. And, and also for safety that you're not, you know, putting your family into the crosshairs or something that, that you don't want them exposed to. And um, yeah, it's super important, but like, I mean, that, speaking of that in the new, the new overlander, the new off-roader, what, what kind of setups, uh, you know, basic rig setups do you guys recommend if, you know, if they're new to um, off-road recovery and, and they're like, you know what, I, I want to outfit my rig, my rig with a, you know, a kit or, or a product, you know, from factor 55, what do you guys recommend for that, those new people out there looking to go into these places? Uh, so the short, the short version is, is like any one of our vehicle recovery kits, right? Um, that's the kind of the easiest step into it because, you know, first off, we make a recovery kit that's for non-winching scenarios. So it's for vehicle assisted recovery. So right. whether it's you or somebody else going to help, uh, whether you're going to assist somebody with your vehicle that doesn't have a winch on it, or whether you're going to get assisted from a vehicle that doesn't have a winch on it, we have a kit for you, right? So for like a Subaru owner or, you know, somebody in like a, you know, like a, in a, you know, a stock Tacoma or something like that. Right. It's so um, funny to hear also, Subaru in the mix. Well, yeah, I'm just, well, yeah, dude, like, you know I mean, like, it's crazy how, whole, how much those people are outfitting those things now. Yeah. I mean, the whole community is growing like crazy with the cross track yeah. and you know I mean, and then, you know, even with like Honda Ridge lines or, you know, the, uh, GX four seventies, right. Or any of these other right. vehicles that are going out there that are getting tents and awnings and just trying to get further into places to go mountain biking or doing these kinds of things. A lot of those guys will never put a winch on the vehicle. So, right. you know, that, you know, how that, you know, it's kind of a funny story, like how that all started was, um, you know, so first off, Factor 55, we're, you know, we're based here in Boise, Idaho. And so the name of the company actually comes from uh, the precision engineering basis of our, of our brand. So when you, when you, when you're talking about precision engineering, you take a product and you factor down to the minute details of a product to produce the best possible outcome. Right. So that's where the factor part in our name comes from. And that's how it's tied into precision engineering. Uh -huh. And then 55, other than alliteration purposes, Highway 55 essentially starts right here in Boise. And 55 becomes, you know, it right north of McCall, Idaho, it turns to Highway 95. And then that turns into the two that goes all the way to Canada. Oh, so, wow. but Highway 55 from where we're at is kind of like the beginning of the corridor of the entire highway system that runs uh, north to south through the entire state of Idaho. Oh, so cool. not only is it USA made, right, but our company is Idaho made. And yeah. then the same thing with our recovery kits. We named all the recovery kits um, after wheeling destinations here in the state. So like the Owyhee kit, the Sawtooth, the Bora, those are mountain ranges here in Idaho. So like our power sports stuff, we named our UTV recovery kits after uh, one's called the Hemingway because Ernest Hemingway is actually buried in Sun Valley. And, oh, really? Uh, there's oh, a whole, wow. Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole, and then there's a whole trail system that a lot of UTV guys go out and rip on and, and moto dudes out in the Hemingway Butte area in the Owyhee front. And then we also have our kinetic uh, recovery kit for side by sides is called the St. Anthony because the St. Anthony sand dunes um, are over here on the uh, on the eastern part of the state, and nobody really even realized that the St. Anthony sand dunes uh, on a map, dude, it's one square mile smaller than Glamis, so wow. it's enormous, Huge. and it's right here in the state, and nobody wow. even knows. So it's dude, those so kinetic we, you know, ropes are like insane for that kind of environment. Like it's unbelievable what those things can do. I saw you guys are selling those now. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so part of the whole thing for us was, you know, being able to now offer products that weren't just for winching. Cause before we were just like that thing on the end of the winch line, right? right you had right. to have, like, so you had to have an off-road vehicle, then you had to get a bumper, then you had to get a winch. And now <laughs> you could finally like buy one of our products. So right. when we started to backtrack, and go through this, the, the situation came up. Actually, I was in my wife's Xterra 
and we had gone snowboarding um, at Tamarack and my son was actually in town visiting and we drove up to Tamarack to go snowboarding and then we were going to take him to Gold Fork Hot Springs, which is this badass place off of Highway 55 up uh-huh. towards McCall. So we go, we turn off that, turn off the road and still, you know, in all these towns, you know, you get the highways paved, but as soon as you get off the highway, it's all dirt roads. Right. And so when it's, you know, there's a foot of snow on the ground. The, before you know it, 100 yards down the road, there's a stock Tacoma slid off the side of the road. And there's a <laughs> Honda course. Civic 500 yards <laughs> up the road, right? Yeah. And so you always find these crazy vehicles in places they shouldn't be in. So what kind of cultivated and started this idea was, here I was with my brother, my son, and my wife. And in her Xterra, because I have a two-door JK, and I now have a diesel Gladiator as well. But I had you know, at the time, that was my only Jeep. Uh-huh. And I'm not putting my whole family in snowboards in my JK, you know what I mean? In my rock right. crawling. So <laughs> right. we, uh, we take the, you know, took her chair up there and here we were on the side of the road. I'm knee deep in snow, like trying to rock this guy's truck out of the snow bank to try to get him back up on the road. When Jeez. I was like, if I just had my Jeep, this would have been five minutes and would have been over with. And I would get great content for social media. Right? <laughs> right. So instead now, you know, it's made me this idea. We're like, geez, man, any vehicle that is going off pavement, any vehicle that's touching dirt, should carry a, a you know a minimum amount of stuff that they can assist themselves or somebody else in a scenario, and that's really really where the recovery kit ideas kind of came from. So yeah. for those beginning basics, for those people that are just looking to say, hey man, I want to have safe equipment. I want to know that I can get some you know educational material like our recovery training manuals that are now being used as training directives for Nevada Highway Patrol, LA County Fire, a lot of military um, services. Uh, those those materials are now things that are, you know, that real factual data information that can take you from zero to hero in a very short amount of time. So you read through the manuals, you practice a little bit with your friends and you get this minimum amount of kit and you can do a lot with a little and you can do a lot to really save yourself. And that's so like that those, those minimum basic kits are really like some of the essential tools uh, to carry in your vehicle, no matter what kind of capacity. I mean, even the guy that's just driving to his duck blind, or trying to get out, you know what I mean, to go deer hunting, right? That's never, that, you know, all, all these people are going off-roading, but they don't consider themselves off-roaders. Right. You know it's just saying? a lifestyle so, that they have. And it's just like, they're not thinking about, you know, the potentials. But what, what sets you guys apart that in that way is, you know, like we were just talking about a little while ago, is that, you know, educating yourselves for the areas that you're in and the trails that you're, you know, that you're supposed to be on and you're not supposed to be on. Same thing with the, the kits, you know, and the recovery gear is to educate yourself before you go out before you come into those situations and make sure that you know what you're doing and, and, um, you know, how to use that, that equipment properly. Yeah, of course. And then you can get in the, you know, then you can get all the advanced stuff you can get as crazy and as in depth into it as you want to. Right. But you know, for the most part, you know, it's the same thing where like, even now with the popularity of kinetic energy ropes, right. You know what I mean? Like one of the things that we really got into a standpoint of was like, you know, like, dude, you can buy a quality kinetic rope from a lot of places and a lot of USA made companies. You can buy a quality rope from. We're right. just one of those one of those places now, but the the difference is is that again we're giving you those serial numbers and lot traceability over the fibers of the stuff that we're producing in mm-hmm. order to make those quality products. But even on top of that, we have a manual that can properly and know what to do as far as an educational standpoint. Because kinetic energy recovery is meant to only be used in compression terrain. It's mm-hmm. only meant to be used for sand, snow, and mud. Mm-hmm. It's not meant for towing. And it's only meant for its one purpose to extract that vehicle. And most of the time, people just default to go to that because it is a, it's effective, it's explosive, right? And it and it can be fast and kind of easy that way, especially with snow wheeling. But yeah. dude, you know, 
the, the bottom line is, is that winching is slow, it's static, it's controlled, and it's a lot safer. So yeah. it really just dictates in the terrain because then we always talk about in the rules and the, and the rule of threes. So with scuba, we always talk about the rule of threes. You have the air in the tank, you got a third for your way into something at the beginning of the dive, you got a third for the way out of the dive, and then you have a third in reserve, right? right so the right. same kind of philosophy works when you go off-road. Like now you're taking this month-long trip, so now you, now you basically break it down in the rules of threes of remote, solo, and international. So if you're remote, me and you could be wheeling together and we could be out in the backcountry, and I could have a winch and you don't. Well, we could right. do a lot with that setup, right? But if you're remote and solo, now the narrative changes. Do you have spare parts? Do you have fluids? Do you have food? Do you have enough water for your entire family? Do you got a gun in some of the areas you're going in? Not even for other people, for wildlife, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you're remote and solo, the narrative is different. And then if you're remote, solo, and international, like do you have a, you know, if you're in Baja in Canada, if you're in rural parts of Africa, right? Do you have like a sat phone? Do you have good communication devices to know how to get in touch with people? Are you letting people know where you're going? Do you right. have a plan to get across borders, right? To get back into the U.S. if you're in one of these places that uh, touches, you know, into our country, you know, but whatever it may be, like you really have got to, you know, like uh, you got to plan that. So like with scuba, we always talk about you got to plan the dive and dive the plan. And so you have to do those types of things in order to keep uh, yourself and other people safe. Because I've had plenty of times, dude, where I've been stuck on the side of a mountain for 14 hours. I mean, like I didn't bring any food. We were going wheeling for like two hours. Now this yeah. is like all. Now it's like the middle of the night and it's snowing. Now what are yeah. we doing? You know. Yeah. So. Me too. You know, and Me sometimes, too. right? So sometimes you gotta oh, you overdo it. You know, once you learn about a bad situation that's taking place, happen. Yeah, I always give my wife a hard time, and I'm like, "Why are we spending like all this time packing like all this extra clothing and this and that and water and blah blah blah?" And she's like, "I just want to make sure that we have everything we need." And there's been so many times where I'm like, "Thank God that you did that." You know, <laughs> here I am making fun of you for packing like four different jackets or this or that, and you know, thank God you did because we needed them in this situation or where we were. And yeah, man, I mean, it's it's like the you know it's, it's like the, the camel or, you know, the, the burrow, you know, you're packing on as much as you can, but you know, you're thinking, Oh man, like we're so weighted down or we, or we got, you know, way too much equipment, but then you get in these situations, you're like, thank God that, you know, somebody thought to bring this or, or whatever. And that's where the, you know, like we were saying, the prepping comes into play, you know, and it's so important to have a list and kind of know, um, you know, what's important to, uh, to have extra of. Cause I mean, there's, there's, definitely been several times i remember this one time we were in big bear and uh in california and same thing we went out with some friends and we had it was myself my wife robin and my buddy and his wife and and our two dogs and their son all in a tacoma extended cab um 2001 tacoma and uh, we piled in this thing we're like let's just go down you know to the to, um this area was called juniper flats and it was this little meadow area and we'll go out there and just hang out and then come back and we got about two hours into the drive and it started snowing. And just like you said, man, we got back there and we started hitting snow that had been there and kind of the trail started getting gnarly and we ended up getting stuck. And thank God we had the, you know, the wherewithal to bring some of the equipment that we had and we were able to get ourselves out and get out of that situation. Um, and, uh, it was pretty scary. I mean, you know, pretty intimidating and I'd been wheeling for a long time. Um, my buddy and I were both firefighters already, and we've been, you know, in the fire service for probably about three or four years at that time, thought we were bulletproof, man. And it was 
definitely humbling. Like, holy crap. Like we could have been out here all night with our families, um, you know, and been in a pretty dangerous well, a, situation, well, dude, so now, you know, if we wouldn't well, have had the exactly. stuff that we would have brought, you know? So now, and now think about this, like, so and you got kids, right? Yeah. And yeah. how old are they? Uh, 12 and two. Okay. So, and, and uh, so I, my son just graduated high school. He's 18 uh-huh. and my daughter is going to be two in November. Yeah. So now you also got to think like, dude, do you have everything ready to go? Like do you see even from the last camping trip we went on? I'm like, Oh my God, all the stuff that you got to deal with. We're trying to keep a two-year-old safe and clean <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like then I, then I start realizing like, dude, like how did, how did the Vikings do it? How did people survive with their kids? You know what I mean? Right. Free all this like technology. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Right. right? Yeah. And we started to think about that because you know, there's nothing more important than to keep them safe and having all of the stuff necessary to be like, even like, Oh, you know, I, we, I, I'll give you an example. Like, so the story you just told, how far away were, how far away were you from civilization? Like, like dude, seriously, city. yeah, like as the, as the crow flies, probably, I don't know, maybe five miles from town, but it was like a four hour trip back during that storm to get back to town. So um, dude, so we just right up here out of, right out of Boise, there's a, there's a road that goes up this place called Rocky Canyon that rolls up to the Adolphi summit that connects into the Ridge road and goes all the way back down to Roby Creek and highway 21 of how kind of the, the system goes. And there uh-huh. are people that live up there full time, like back uh-huh. in these, back in the mountains up there. You know what I mean? Off grid. And we just in January had some kids that went up there um, that we had to go out and do a recovery on where these, these, these guys had, uh, they were all like uh, Marine buddies uh, meeting up with each other. A guy's flight was delayed. So they just headed out at like four in the morning. They just were like, let's get in the Jeep and just go hit the, the trail. Cause that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. So these dudes got up there and like, it wasn't until almost 14 or 15 hours later, did we end up going to find them because they had finally hiked out to get, because they got stuck. Wow. They ran the Jeep that they were in. They ran out of fuel. They killed the battery from trying to run the heater. Oh. They, by the time we got up there, they had dug the side of the mountain out to actually start a fire because at least they had the, you know, the, the awareness to try to keep themselves warm. Right. They had no food, no water, no supplies, and they hadn't even aired down. They didn't wow. even air their tires down. Wow. And they were just stuck. So here we were going out there and, you know, redirecting winch lines and poles and doing all these things and having it like basically have to winch the Jeep off the trail and out of the way because they were, they were done. That Jeep was dead in the water. There's no... Wow moving it off the mountain that day and just to get them back into civilization. And it was, it's literally eight miles from downtown Boise to where they were stuck. Jeez. And in eight miles, they could have, they could have uh, died. Right. Yeah. Like that's how, that's how fast it can happen as soon as you leave pavement. And so a lot of people just think of like, Oh, it's just right over there. And oh, it's no problem. Like, dude, unless you're hiking all the time and you're used to doing that kind of stuff and being in the back country, like it's, you know, you're really taking your life in your own hands and you, and you know, so I never really, you know, like, dude, I never really balk at anybody else when it comes to the amount of equipment they carry around. Cause I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah man, <laughs> you just never know, dude. Yep. You just never know what you're going to need. Yeah. yeah. That's what happened to us on that, in that particular story. It, it, we were trying to continue up this trail. And like I said, it's starting to get, you know, starting to snow, starting to get, you know, deep, deeper snow from a couple of days prior. And I swear, dude, we were probably 10 minutes from the pavement on the other end of this trail. And we had to turn around and go all the way back. Um, and it took us forever. You know, it's like, you know, two hours in, four hours back. But we were probably 10, 15 minutes from the pavement on a major highway 
on the other end. And if there wasn't there, you know, it wasn't snow there, we would have been able to get right up to the highway and go back into town, which was another five minutes. Oh, down yeah, and then, the road. Now you think about all like, well, the way dude, back. It's like, yeah, dude, and now what you think about you have little kids with you. you yeah. Little kids that are trying to deal with that. You're trying to feed them and do their normal yep. routine and all these things. Now, granted, you probably wouldn't have even started that situation at, you know, in the, in, in that instance, but there are plenty of people where like, even as we've worked with the Nevada highway patrol, you know, the, the outfit them with uh, recovery kits, you know, one of the things that they've done with the, with the officers, why they got into this is just dude, it, you know, overnight it could dump six feet at the top of Tahoe. Oh, yeah. And so here are these guys are trying to help people. But if the tow truck services, like if it's dumping, you know, they're just like, they'll be like, sorry, man, we'll go get you in the morning. Like they don't right. have to go out there. Right. Right. But the cops, you guys, you firefighters, right? You dudes got to go to work. Yeah. That's your job. We have no That's what choice. you're paid to do, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, no choice, man. Everyday hero, right? You're getting out there to do that work. And so they needed to be equipped with the knowledge and tools to be able to be like, hey, guy in your minivan wearing flip-flops driving over <laughs> Donner Pass in the middle of December. Like, you know, they have to be able to get people off there because it can go from life to death. In oh, yeah. Instant, man. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's so rad that you guys are doing that. That's, uh, I mean, what a what a proud thing to be a part of as a company too, to be able to know that you guys are providing these first responders with that type of equipment and make them safer and make the uh, the communities that they work in safer too, man. That's that's awesome. Well, that's why there's all these companies, right, dude, that do mobility training and to yeah. do these kinds of things because it's not, you know, especially for the fire service and law enforcement, it's not an everyday thing, right? right. It's not something that it's practiced all the time. But the only reason, the only way that you get better at doing it is 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 repetition and and making the muscle memory and it being there and getting these things that go like you know with, with plenty of fire like you know, a lot of the uh, local fire departments here right are running um, our shackle mounts or using our equipment on their fire trucks uh, but you know they they have training every six weeks that you know what I mean they're at least touching on it yeah. to get some you know to get some met you know to, to understand their methods and what they're doing and how to like uh, cultivate these things so they know how to use the equipment when they get in that situation because it's not used every day like it would be for EMT equipment or for, uh, you know, re regular stuff that's happening. And why there's all these, these specialized guys that are in those uh, areas of the, the different departments. So it's neat, man. I think that moving forward with the, some more of that certification process and training thing and better supporting, you know, all these other, um, you know, recovery equipment trainers and those types of things, again, is only just going to continue, um, you know, pushing that narrative for, uh, safer and better and best practices and techniques. And, and, and I can't state enough, man, that education is our biggest asset off road. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely agree. hundred percent, man. And you know, with fire service, yeah, we, we definitely, um, you know, have to maintain our skills with that stuff. And we train in our department, what I would say probably 50, 50 is, you know, running calls. And the other 50 is training, you know, it's, it's almost every single day of every shift we're out there training on something. And, um, you know, certain parts of the year and times of year where we're going to, um, you know, run those, those different types of calls, you know, that, that might be more rescue, um, type re, you know, related calls or, uh, wildland fire calls or structure fire calls or whatever, you know, that's what we kind of focus on. And, um, you know, during those winter months and those, you know, those potentials, that's when we're, we're training on our rescue stuff and our, you know, our rope rescue and, um, you know, making sure that we keep up on our skills. And, and if you're, going to be out off-roading and overlanding like we do um you kind of got to do the same thing you got to make sure that you keep yourself involved in in training on on your equipment and um you know i've made mistakes too you know i've been out and i hadn't um used a, a high lift jack in a long time and it had a situation where i needed to use one and we got got the vehicle propped up and then i was like why, why isn't this thing going down 
Um, you know, why can't I get this to go back down? And, and, uh, it was super frustrating. And then, you know, shoot, I was using it wrong and we hadn't kept the thing lubed and, you know, and after I got home, we got the situation mitigated. It was like, man, I really need to keep up on this super simplistic tool to make sure that I know the ins and outs of this thing, because, uh, you know, we would have been screwed if we weren't able to get it down. We Luckily we were able to get it to come down, but it was an eye opener of, you know, for me to, to realize like, man, like I really need to keep up on this, just even this simple situation equipment, um, to make sure that I'm, I'm, you yeah, know, I mean, it's, it's shocking well to me how many people, yeah, it's shocking to me how many people just will go out and recreate the backcountry and not even take a simple first aid kit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it blows, yeah. Blows my mind. Yeah. It blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, never, like you said, you never know. All it takes is, you know, one little thing to happen, something to drop on you or, you know, um, it's so amazing to me, um, when we show up to these incidents, you know, as a fireman, you know, how simple and how quickly some of these things escalated, um, Mm -hmm. for these people. And, um, yeah, it's very important, but I mean, talking about all these, these areas that we've had these stories in, what has been, your favorite area to travel in so far or like test products for factor 55, um, around where you guys are or anywhere else in the country. Yeah. So we're really fortunate. I mean, here in Idaho, we're really fortunate to have like four true seasons. Um, right. So we get in and also where we're located, we have really, again, we have such good access to the land and the terrain here that we have everything from rock crawling to wide open desert stuff to dealing with mud and, and rain in the deserts and then, you know, all the way up into the woods and, and, and the forest and river systems and off camber trails and all those kinds of things. So we're really pretty spoiled with the amount of different uh, terrain that we can utilize. Uh, and especially even with the snow wheeling and stuff in the wintertime here uh, yeah. to really get that experience of how all that equipment will work. Um, and in uh, even developing things that would be easier and stuff to do it. I think a lot of times, a lot of people don't, start to go into winching and doing that kind of stuff because I think a lot of people are always amazed when they actually get into a recovery, how long it takes from start to finish, right? right. It's not something that happens quickly. Right. And so, you know, the, the amount not of something you want to hurry like, through either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So like, you know, even in the back of each recovery manual, we have uh, what's called our stop a checklist, which is stop, think, observe, plan, and act. And, you know, going through that guide of your stuck assessment, know okay what well what are what's the things i should go to because sometimes you just need traction boards right right? just throwing some max tracks or something down and that's going to be all you need maybe you just got to let a little more air out of the tires and you get yourself unstuck i can't tell you how many times we've been called to assist either uh sheriff's department or or somebody got stuck you know it's calling us because a tow truck won't get to them or that type of thing and they go assist on a on a vehicle recovery uh and really all they needed to do was air their tires down clear some debris away from the tires and put the vehicle in four low. Like, I mean, <laughs> right. you, know I mean? So, yeah. you know, you could just drive out of the problem instead of actually right. making a huge to do about it. So right. there's a lot of times to really go through the, the steps and the processes that will make it to be uh, the function safer and better. And so really like the amount of access that we have here is the best, um, you know, for, for good product testing and that kind of thing. Um, aside from that, uh, kind of, I mean, wherever, Wherever the wheels can touch dirt, man. I, I mean, I You're really love it. going out to jo- <laughs> Yeah, man. I just, I really, you know, I, after playing in music, you know, off-road really gave me something that I needed, the camaraderie with other people, uh, yeah. the, the amazing amount of, like, you know, loyal, badass friendships I've created because we drive the same type of car. Right. Crazy. I know. Right? And <laughs> yeah. it's crazy, dude. And yeah. so, 
I'm so thankful to be a part of this community and to have the relationships that we've been able to cultivate and build here. And uh, so like being out of Johnson Valley for King of the Hammers, uh, wheeling that terrain, uh, being in Moab, Sand Hollow, especially in St. George, um, you know, with all the different uh, terrain that can be, you know, contained in that one little area there uh, is so phenomenal. And then, you know, places like the, the Rubicon and, and uh, being up in the mountains. And then even back east, too, like there's places like, um, uh, you know, Uari, uh, Wind Rock, right, in Tennessee, or even um, Roush Creek in Pennsylvania. So yeah. there's all these really cool places to go see, to go out and go further, you know, places that where a lot of people just don't ever see, man. Like even uh, going down to Baja, going down to, um, you know, when we took part to race in the 50th anniversary of the Baja 1000, you know, I mean, that's something that a lot of people will never do and never see and never be a part of. So, you know, to get to have the you can really get as much of an experience out of uh, that type of backcountry exploration as you desire. Right. As simple as just going to a cool dispersed camping area or even driving to a national park. Yeah. And just seeing, you know, what I mean, and just I think I think always, you know, some of the simple things is just get out, man. Get the equipment, yeah. you, know, you know, get some stuff, go enjoy it, go see it. And, you know, I mean, start to see how far you want to get involved now how far you want to take it. heck yeah man i i'm with you on that 100 i love uh johnson valley area too i i uh it's funny that's kind of like about an hour not even an hour really northeast of big bear lake where i spent you know like i said almost 20 years of my life before we moved to arizona and uh, we'd go out there and 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 camp and trail run and stuff a ton out there and soggy dry lake and all the areas around the camp rock road and uh, man, Johnson Valley is awesome. That's such a cool place. And Hammers out there is just amazing. Maybe we'll see you guys out there at this next Hammers. Well, I'll definitely uh, look for you if I end up at that event. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. We, we sponsor. Yeah, we sponsor Tech for KOH, and Warren's a title sponsor of the event. So it's um, it's a really cool. It, it's one of our favorite places to be in, and uh, you know we love going out there. Yeah, last year was gnarly with all the winds and the craziness out there. That was nuts, man. I don't think oh, I've yes, ever man. seen it like that out there ever. Like just the amount of like that dust storm that came through and the um the weather that was happening during that time of year. I mean, it's kind of kind of common out there to get those those uh types of windstorms, but not at that level. That was like a whole nother a whole nother realm of uh of what do they call those haboobs or whatever that come through. That was nuts. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Right. Yeah. And even then, I mean it look, you know, even worked. Hammertown gets built. I mean, it's, you know, only a few miles off the main highway right there in the middle of the desert. But yeah. I mean, just, just being there, it's like, yeah. geez, dude, the amount of stuff that can happen just being right yeah. there, even when they build a city in the middle of nowhere is crazy. That's it's pretty, and for anybody that's never been out there, it's always, it's something to see, you know what I mean? It, it really is. Old, like guys pulling transmissions and motors in the middle of the desert. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It, it is, man. Yeah. And like you said, it's only 15 minutes off pavement, just North of, you know, the, the highway there, 247. It's, it's nuts that just, you know, like you said, the potentials yeah. and everything goes on out there, but yeah, that's a, that's awesome event. If uh, any of our listeners have not experienced that yet, you definitely need to put that on your bucket list. That is a, uh, that is a one of a kind event out there. It's, it's pretty amazing. But what, what expos are you guys going to be at this year? You guys got any more on the docket for the, the end of uh, 2022? Oh yeah, man, we got a ton. So we got, uh, uh, Overland Expo Mountain West is coming up right in Colorado. Sweet. Um, that same, yeah, that same weekend, uh, is also the Smoky Mountain Jeep invasion in Tennessee. Um, then we have, uh, there's a brand new Overland event that's happening in Idaho Falls called the Teton Overland Show. So that's oh, cool. going on mid-September that we're going to be doing. Um, 
Then there's uh, Off-Road Expo in Pomona. You've got uh, Trail Hero in St. George. Um, there's a couple other uh, kind of media overland events that we're going to kind of take part of through the fall. And then also leads up into even the SEMA show. And that doesn't even include like some of the UTV and side-by-side -side stuff that we'll be uh, having additional support um, from Warren at some of these other UTV events as well. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's nonstop, man. Sweet. Yeah. We're going to, we were actually trying to, uh, line up our travels to hit a couple more, uh, over the next month. There's at the uh, Arizona off-road and camping expo and, um, Mormon Lake lodge, I think it is. And then, uh, mountain expo West up in Loveland. We're definitely going to hit that for sure. So I'll definitely come find you, uh, when we get there, but we, yeah, we've been even thinking about going up into Idaho, uh, during this trip. So I'll definitely keep in touch with you if we end up in those areas and, uh, and we'll, we'll definitely come see you and say hello. Heck yeah, man. Anytime, man, please yeah. come on by. Right on, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for being here on the show. And, and I know, uh, today's your birthday. I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you got a lot of stuff on the <laughs> docket, but, uh, dude, how, how can people find, uh, more, uh, information on factor 55 and what you guys are all about? Yeah, man. So, uh, you can check us out at factor55.com. Uh, same thing on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, TikTok. Like we're kind of doing it all, and then uh, it's it's really cool because I finally have now just you know with Warren's support, uh, we're finally now being able to be a lot more active on our social platforms because we can actually focus on the doing that uh, in the ways of some uh, how-to videos and some ed more educational content, some cool you know behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on here when yeah, it comes yeah. to product development and the uses of the stuff. So there's going to be a ton more um, that we're going to release in that uh, in that way. And a lot more other just you no know, active events that we're going to be doing with the community and and uh, you know kind of get involved and doing as much more as we can. So live at events, uh, online, at any of the platforms, wherever, man. We're you know it's kind of hard not to find. <laughs> good, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that, man. And uh, if you guys have not gone and introduced yourselves to the guys at Factor Fifty Five booths at these expos and stuff, Justin is an awesome guy to talk to you and uh, just so knowledgeable in this and. Uh, we sure appreciate you, man. And we will definitely see you guys soon. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Joey. Thanks so much for uh, allowing me to be here and uh, we'll see you guys out on the trail, man, for sure. All right. Yeah. Sounds good, man. I can't wait to talk more shop with you and uh, talk a little bit more about our, our touring uh, experiences with music back in the day. Heck yeah, man. You got it, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, hey, man, happy birthday again and have a great day, brother. Thank you so much. And thank you everybody out there. If you have not uh, had a chance to share the podcast we really appreciate you doing so and uh, subscribing and checking us out on Waypoint TV, the hunting off-road and outdoor TV network we just signed with. And uh, we're so stoked to do this. Thank you guys so much for the support. Have a great day and we're out. life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv Every once in a while, it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.